Let's begin now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode two of All the Star Wars Podcast. My name is Justin Berger, and I am your podcaster, I guess you could say. Uh, This is episode two, Attack of the Podcast. And yes, I'm doing a Star Wars theme with my titles. Uh, Episode one, I didn't say it in the podcast, but episode one was the Phantom Podcast, uh, as I titled it when I put it out. But uh, why not? You know, it's Star Wars. We're all nerds. We we all get it. So uh, episode two, man, it's like I'm still doing this. You know, it's like, do you ever do something like this where... You kind of get a wild hair up your ass and you're like, you know, I'm going to start a podcast and I'm going to talk about Star Wars and, you know, because I enjoy it. And uh, you kind of surprise yourself when you're still doing episode two. And (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, Actually, I really enjoy Star Wars and I really like podcasting. So merging the two is actually a lot of fun for me. Um, I don't know how much fun it is for you guys listening, but (laughs) uh, I enjoy it. So I hope you enjoy it, too. Um, I'm just going to jump into it and I don't want to start things off on a kind of a a somber note, but I do want to talk about Burt Reynolds because Burt Reynolds was, I mean, he was like a kind of a big fixture growing up for me. I mean, I grew up in the set, well, I grew up in the eighties basically. And, you know, like Cannonball Run and Cannonball Run 2, like as a kid, I watched those a lot and Man, those movies, not only are they freaking, I guess I can say fucking, because it's my podcast, but fucking hilarious movies. I mean, they are just, I love the Cannibal Run movies, and, you know, Burt Reynolds was just, um, it's weird, because it's like I really like Burt Reynolds, and I really always had a lot of respect for him, but I didn't watch a ton of his movies, um, I think Smoking the Bandit, in fact, I didn't even really, I like, I watched parts of it. I think I watched Smoking the Bandit 2 more than I watched Smoking the Bandit. And it wasn't even until re- like this past year, I think maybe the last two years that I actually sat down and watched Smoking the Bandit from beginning to end and really kind of took it in and realized what a great fucking movie it is. And, uh, it like reinvigorated my opinion of Burt Reynolds. I was like, God damn, no wonder this guy's a movie star. You know what I mean? And, uh, I don't know. It's just one of those things where, you know, people are getting older, uh, people that you quote unquote idolized, but it's like, as you get older, just people start dying on you and you're just like, wow. It's like the mortality sets in and you're just like, Jesus, um, I'm, I'm getting closer to, you know what I mean? Cause these are the people I grew up watching and, idolizing and and being entertained by and when they start dropping off you're just like whoa because when you're a kid like it you know people you've never heard of or your parents listen to like musicians and stuff you know they'll die and you're like oh you know that's sad but it's like there's no impact for you other than like oh my parents knew who that person was i really i saw them on solid gold or grand old opry or whatever it was that what we watched back in the day and uh I don't know. It's a little more real when it, when you start getting older and it's people that you grew up with and you, you know, like I said, idolized and Burt Reynolds is one of those people. I mean, I've had other people that I respect and admire and, and, you know, kind of hit me hard of who died, but 
right now it's Burt Reynolds. And, you know, he had a good life. He died at 82. You know, it's, I guess we should all be so lucky to live 82 years, you know. And, well, for him, I mean, geez, he had an amazing career. And, uh, you know, one of the, his last movie that he did, which was called The Last Movie Star, and I think that came out last year, actually. And um, I just watched it last night, actually. A lot of laughs going on. But um, I just watched it last night, and it's a really good movie. I mean, it's a very sad movie, but it's basically he receives this invitation to get a Lifetime Achievement Award at a film festival. And um, what's interesting, he doesn't play Burt Reynolds, but he basically is Burt Reynolds. They just call him Vic Edwards which is just a different name, but it's basically his life. And I mean, in a, in a weird, like kind of movie twisted way. And, uh, his friend who's actually played by Chevy chase, uh, convinces him to go to this festival. Cause you know, he doesn't want to, and he, you know, he's, he's an old curmudgeon and, uh, he's kind of, you know, at the end of his career and getting towards the end of his life. And he's just like, you know, fuck this shit. And so Chevy Chase convinces him, he's like, you know, you'd be treated like a star and, you know, they'll adore you and blah, blah, blah. So he decides to go and uh, he gets there and I'm not going to tell you what happens because you just have to watch the movie and it's really good, but it's a little sad and depressing, like I said, but, you know, he goes through um, a lot of life lessons, I guess you would say. And uh, what's interesting is at the end of the movie, they do a shot where the camera kind of lingers on him and he, his gaze falls down where he's looking at the audience at you, you know, at the camera breaking the fourth wall. And he just gets this smile and it's just, it's intense because it's like that movie. It almost mimicked, like not mimicked, I guess you would say, but it, it, it to me, it like, it's almost like he knew he was going to die. And like, this movie was his final, like goodbye to Hollywood and, the world and people and fans and stuff. And yeah, I mean, it really with that last moment really kind of solidified it. And if you watch the movie, you know, just wait for it. It's at the end and it's pretty blatant and obvious, but yeah, it just, uh, it's a good movie and it really kind of hit home even more to me. Like his, his passing, his death, um, you know, of, of watching that movie and just seeing how old he was. Cause it's interesting. Cause they juxtapose some actual, some scenes from like smoking the bandit and, um, Oh, what's the movie he's in <laughs> with the, um, the dueling banjos deliverance. Sorry. My, my brain took a fart. Um, but they take these scenes where they juxtapose old, I guess you would say, you know, 82 year old Burt Reynolds with, the character in the movie and they do some cgi stuff and it's it's all right it, it was a little jarring at first because you're just like oh really you're gonna do that but it kind of fits in with the movie and he's actually they're actually dream sequences so i mean it it works but um i don't know it's just it's interesting to see that juxtaposition of like 82 year old burt reynolds with like i don't know 30 year old burt reynolds and just you know, seeing how much he's aged and, and just, it really plays into the mortality of all of us, you know what I mean? And it just kind of hits home and it's, like I said, it's kind of a sad movie and I don't want to dwell on this too long, but it is a really good movie. I definitely uh, suggest checking it out. It is called The Last Movie Star and I think you can stream it now. I watched it online. Um, I'm sure you can buy a 
copy of it, digital or otherwise. But um, definitely check that out. Like I said, this it was Burt Reynolds' last movie he did, and uh, it was it's a perfect end to a, a, a really what I would consider a great career. Um, in that movie, it didn't sound like he felt like he had the best career, but uh, it's hard to say what played into that as far as what was part of the movie and what was his real feelings about his career. But he had a good, he had a great career. I mean, Burt Reynolds is an icon. Let's be real. I mean, that guy is like a, a legend. And uh, I know you're all going like, okay, great, Burt Reynolds. What the hell does this have to do with Star Wars? Well, guess what? I'm going to tie it into Star Wars, so shut the fuck up. So first of all, um, Smoking the Bandit, which was obviously starred Burt Reynolds and Sally Fields, and Jackie Gleason um, was released the same week as the the original Star Wars. Star Wars was released May twenty fifth, nineteen seventy seven. Smokey and the Bandit was released May twenty seventh, nineteen seventy seven. Same weekend. It was actually Memorial Day weekend. And at the time, see, I did my research. You'll see. At the time, these movies came out. It was like I said, it was Memorial Day weekend. At that time, it was not considered a viable weekend for movies. That was actually considered like a dead week. Um, which makes it interesting. You're wondering why would you release a Burt Reynolds movie on a quote unquote dead week? Um, a star Wars was released then because they didn't think it was going to do anything. So they were like, whatever, just throw it, <laughs> throw it there. Cause we're not going to sacrifice like a, a summer release date, you know, for this movie. But anyway, so they, they released these two movies and, it's interesting because Smokey and the Bandit actually Memorial Day weekend made more money than Star Wars, which isn't that hard to 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 believe because I mean Smokey and the Bandit, you know, Burt Reynolds was he was like the biggest one of the biggest stars in Hollywood at the time. And um to go up against some indie film from not an unknown filmmaker, um, but you know, it was People knew George Lucas from American Graffiti, but, you know, none of the stars except for Alec Guinness um, and Peter Cushing were really established. I mean, they're all really young and and unknowns. So these two movies go head to head. And obviously, you know, the first weekend Star Wars isn't playing in as many theaters as Smoking the Bandit was. So that was part of the reason why it didn't do as well. But the other part was just that you know, it took a while for the the Star Wars hype to kind of build. I mean, it didn't take long because the following week it, or the following week, Star Wars shot to number one, and it basically stayed there. Um, and it became the highest grossing film of all time, and basically, it surpassed the previous record holder, which was Jaws. You know, Steven Spielberg's movie, and then it stayed as the highest grossing film of all time until 1982 which is when Spielberg stole it back and well stole the crown back I guess you would say with ET and then ET was the highest grossing film of all time so which was like I said 82 so Empire strikes back actually Empire did not reach that level um Empire actually did took in less money than Star I mean it still made a shit ton of money but it made less money cuz you know Empire was darker it was more serious you know, there was the whole Vader twist. So a lot of people actually had some problems with Empire uh, when it came out. So that movie actually made less money than Star Wars, but you know, it didn't. It didn't knock uh, Star Wars out of the spot as the highest-grossing film. But 
you know, I, I wouldn't expect the sequel to. I mean, Star Wars, the first Star Wars when it came out was just, you know, phenomenal. And I know Empire was too, but um, I don't know. It's just that initial spark, I guess. It just spread like wildfire. Um, and then I think, I don't think Jedi, I'd have to look, but I don't think Jedi became the highest grossing film of all time either. Um, I think it actually, I, I'm not going to say anything. I, I, I know it did better than Empire, but I don't think it did as good as Star Wars. I'd have to look that up. Or you can look it up. That's the beauty of Google these days. Anyways, getting back to Burt Reynolds and Smokey and the Bandit and all that stuff. So, um, I mean, Smokey and the Bandit did well, obviously. Uh, but it didn't do as well as Star Wars. So, what can I don't think, you know, nobody knew that was going to happen. But, uh, yeah, if it wasn't for Star Wars, Smokey and the Bandit would have been the biggest movie of 1977. Obviously, that didn't happen. But an interesting thing, uh, another connection from Star Wars and Burt Reynolds is that Burt actually turned down the role of Han Solo in the first Star Wars because, and I quote, he didn't like sci-fi movies. Well, I don't think that was the quote, but I'm actually going to play you the quote, so... Uh, just listen. This is an interview he did uh, with a program called Watch What Happens Live with Andy Cohen. And uh, that's where I got this information. But I want you to hear it. Um, hear it from the horse's mouth. Did you turn down the role of Han Solo in the original Star Wars? That I did. You did? Why? Because I thought that, you know, I, I don't like science fiction pictures. <laughs> All right. So there you have it. Uh, yeah. I mean,. I don't think Han Solo would have been the same with Burt Reynolds, and I don't think it would have been as good. I just don't think he would fit that part very well. I think he was too old to, maybe not, maybe he was the same age as Harrison Ford, but you can't deny that Harrison Ford is just the perfect Han Solo. Um, I mean, it's easy to say that after the fact, but I really think that he embodied that character and you know made it what it is and uh, inspired many, 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 many actors to uh, imitate it in movies to follow for up until even like star Lord today. Like I really think star Lord has from guardians of the galaxy has a ton of influence from Han Solo most definitely. But anyways, uh, more Burt Reynolds trivia. Well, not really trivia. This is just something that I personally thought as a kid was, um, if you look at the vintage Kenner Hoth rebel commander action figure, um, and if you're not familiar with the vintage Star Wars action figure line, just Google it. But um, I'm sure most of you do. But the guy, the the action figure has a mustache, and it's this big black mustache. And uh, if you put him, I actually did it on Twitter. I put a picture of the action figure next to Burt Reynolds, and the similarities are uncanny. So I'm not saying that they based that figure on Burt Reynolds, but I'm saying it looks a lot like. Burt Reynolds. <laughs> it's really interesting. Um, and I always thought that it was as a kid too. I, th I just, I always thought he looked like Burt Reynolds, you know, that's just where my brain went as a kid, you know, and there's, there's a couple, uh, characters in empire that actually have big mustaches, including, um, Cliff Clavin, <laughs> who's in empire. Um, but it's just, it's still, it's just, to me, it's Burt Reynolds. Anyways, that's my whole Burt Reynolds Star Wars connection story thing that I wanted to uh, talk about, you know, because this just happened and, you know, rest in peace, Burt Reynolds. Um, yeah, it's just it's just sad when 
when somebody dies that, you know, is somebody that you grew up with, uh, not grew up personally with, but grew up like, I mean, that, that actor, that characters were part of your life, you know, and they were part of, you know, making you, you, you know, it's like watching Cannonball Run, like that stuff sticks in your head. It's just like the same as Star Wars or Battlestar Galactica or anything that I grew up with, or even He-Man or Transformers. It's like that stuff sticks with you and it kind of creates who you are as a person. So, you know, to see somebody like Burt Reynolds die, it just, it sucks. So I I just wanted to spend some time on it and just kind of get it out there and kind of put my personal feelings out there of, of what Burt meant to me and I'm sure what he meant to a lot of you, especially kids who grew up in the 80s. I, I'm pretty sure most kids who grew up in the 80s not only knew knew who Burt Reynolds was, but at least liked one of his movies. I mean, that's just a given, I'm pretty sure. Um, and then maybe there's a handful of you that didn't and whatever. You guys are idiots, but <laughs> just kidding. Um, I'm going to move on. So that's Burt Reynolds. And yeah, rest in peace. So the next thing I wanted to talk about is uh, I wanted to go back a little bit and talk about Attack of the Clones, the second Star Wars prequel movie. And, you know, that's I, the reason I wanted to talk about it is because this episode is called Attack of the Podcast because I'm going by episode numbers and the corresponding Star Wars film. But, um, you know, Attack of the Clones, I have called in the past the worst prequel movie, if not the worst Star Wars movie ever made. Um, and it's bad, but you know, I was just, I watched it tonight. I was kind of like doing my research and I was just kind of watching attack of the clones and I was trying to have an open mind. I actually got into a, I guess debate is a nice way of saying it with a couple people online about the prequels. And, you know, I, I expressed why I thought they were awful and people were in denial about it. And these guys were, you know, telling me I was wrong and they're just like, Oh, the prequels are great, man. And blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I can't get behind the prequel love and I know there's a lot of it now. And, and I know it's associated with this whole backlash against like Disney star Wars. And I think a lot of people who aren't happy with Disney's direction of star Wars have gone back to the well, so to speak, and, and looking at George Lucas and his prequels, you know, and and kind of lumping them in with the original trilogy in the sense of like it being, you know, George Lucas's Star Wars and somehow that makes them okay or tolerable. I don't know, but I, I can't agree with that. Like, you know, I'm obviously a huge fan of the original trilogy, as most people are, but you know, when when the prequels came out, you know, I was excited just like everybody. You know, I, I, I was like, Oh, new Star Wars, this is awesome, you know. I hadn't been hardcore into Star Wars since I was a kid when when uh it came out and I talked about that in the first episode but you know I was I was excited and then you know I saw the trailers and I was I guess I had my reservations um especially after the special editions of the, the original trilogy cuz you're thinking like okay if that if that's what you're going to do to the original trilogy is like it's kind of scary. Like, what are you going to do with this new trilogy that you're doing? You know, and it, it just kind of, I had reservations about it, but you know, I was still excited and George Lucas, it was star Wars. It was everything. And then after seeing Phantom Menace, which I mentioned before, it was just kind of like all those, all those fears kind of were solidified and you're just like, Oh, it's not as good as, you know, 
the original trilogy. Um, and it's not, and it, and it's, it's not in the sense that it's not, um, it's just not done as well. It's, it's, it's the stories I didn't think were as good, the, like the writing's not as good. The directing's not as good. And I know that's all on George Lucas. Um, and I think that might be the reason why it wasn't that good, you know, is like in the original trilogy, George Lucas, you know, he obviously wrote star Wars and, and directed, you know, the first one. But, uh, you know, he had a lot of help and a lot of influence. You know, he had like major, major film makers basically bouncing ideas off of for Star Wars, like Francis Ford Coppola and, you know, even Spielberg and, you know, people like that high caliber people at the time who, uh, John Milius, like these people that he was bouncing idea, his Star Wars ideas off of. And then there was his wife, Marsha Lucas, who was a huge influence in, the final product, you know, she was one of the editors and it's just like George Lucas never really did star Wars on his own until the prequels. And I think the special editions really showcase the way he kind of wanted to do them. And you could kind of see, cause to me, the special editions are just bad. Like the changes that he made are not good for the most part. I would say like 80 to 80, five percent of the changes suck and you know like scenes that were cut were cut for a reason and then putting them back in with bad cgi characters was just a horrible idea uh most notably the job of the hut scene but um which and the weird thing is is like he would put that scene in but he would leave out all the stuff with like biggs which i thought was strange because that stuff you know made more sense because biggs is actually in the end of the film and you know, it would have been a better connective tissue, but whatever. It's George Lucas. Uh, and what I mean by that is just, you know, the first three movies, he had people helping him. on, And, you know, Empire Strikes Back, Irvin Kirshner was the director. Gary Kurtz was the producer. And, and George Lucas kind of sat that one out in, in a way. I mean, he definitely wrote the bulk of it. And, um, you know, he's obviously the head honcho and he's going to kind of, you know, fight for his movie. But at the end of the day, it really didn't work out that way. And Irvin Kirshner and Gary Kurtz kind of took it away from him. And then that's turns out to be like the best star Wars movie. (laughs) And then you have return of the Jedi where you kind of return to form, I guess you could call it, but you go back to where George Lucas is now more in charge because he, you know, he was upset about what happened with empire, um, which even though, it became, you know, it was the best of the three, but, you know, he got upset and didn't want that kind of creative control to leave his hands again. So he hired, uh, kind of, I think he hired, um, Richard Marquand was kind of an indie director and somebody that wasn't going to challenge him. So he hired Richard Marquand and then he pretty much, when he fired Gary Kurtz and then he, and Gary Kurtz, to be fair, they, they kind of, it was a mutual agreement because Gary Kurtz was like, you know, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not following where, what the time revenge of the Jedi, I'm not following where the third movie's going. I don't like the story. I don't like the idea because the idea was, you know, attack another death star. And he was just like, you know, we've done this, you know, I feel like star Wars could be so much more, but it's not. So I'm going to bow out. And then George obviously was like, well, you know, I'm not happy with what happened with empire. So see ya. So it was kind of a mutual parting, but, um, back to return of the Jedi, it was like he hired, uh, he hired Lawrence Kasdan to write it. 
And then he had, he basically directed. I mean, Richard Marquand did direct, but, you know, from what you read about the behind the scenes, I mean, Lucas was there over his shoulder and like he was doing a lot of second unit directing and he was basically calling all the shots. So it, it was more or less George Lucas's movie. And Return of the Jedi isn't a bad movie, you know, and it's like, I know I'm, this is long winded from where I was starting, but I'm getting to a point. Um, Return of the Jedi isn't a bad movie. It's not the best Star Wars movie. Um, and there's some really great stuff in it, but compared to the first two, it really starts to show cracks in the foundation, in my opinion, of what I like to call it, of where Star Wars was headed. And I feel like that really starts getting more solidified when you watch the Ewok movies, which I know were really geared towards kids. Um, so it's not really a fair attack but you know you kind of get a sense like where he's going because you know his focus in jedi was the ewoks and a lot of that had to do because he wanted to appeal to kids and he wanted to sell toys and that's where he would make his money was the merchandising um because of his deal in star wars you know he got all the merchandising rights to star wars for life basically so you know his money was made not from the movies that's where the studios made their money his money i mean he did make money obviously because he did invest in his own films but um it was more or less in the uh the merchandising toys t-shirts uh glasses burger king glasses cups um toothbrushes i mean anything they could slap a face or a star wars logo onto i mean they they put it out there and i mean it was just that's what he was concerned with, you know, cause he had Lucasfilm and Skywalker ranch that were just, you know, starting to basically, you know, that was his vision was, was Skywalker ranch. And he wanted to take the money from star Wars to basically build Skywalker ranch and, and establish Lucasfilm. And that's what he did. And so while George, you know, he cared about, he cares about star Wars and he cared about star Wars, but <clears throat> those movies were more or less, just a cash cow for him to do something else he wanted to do. Um, and I think it shows, you know what I mean? But at the same time, you know, return of the Jedi has some amazing stuff where you have the confrontation with Luke and the emperor and Vader and that whole thing from the time Luke turns himself into Vader up until the end is just, it's very powerful. It's, it's good writing. It's great acting and it's, it's, it's phenomenal. But, you know, the other flip coin side of that is you have the Ewoks, which you know, I don't hate the Ewoks. You know, I liked the Ewoks as a kid, and I still kind of like the Ewoks. Um, but I don't like it from the standpoint of they were there to sell toys more than they were there to be um, a vital part of the story, if that makes sense. I mean, in the original Star Wars script the one that wasn't filmed, obviously it was Wookiees that were attacking the Death Star and basically defeating the empire in, in the original star Wars. And, you know, the whole story with Lucas saying, well, you know, in, in Jedi, we cut the Wookiees in half and we call them Ewoks. And, you know, they took down the empire and, you know, his concept was he wanted, you know, kind of low tech primitive culture, like, you know, Wookiees or Ewoks to, um, overcome the technology, the technologically advanced empire, basically, um, which is kind of like 
originally it was like his nod to Vietnam where it was, you know, the USA going up against the Vietnamese. And that's kind of, that was kind of the concept in the original Star Wars of like having the Wookiees overcome the empire. And so he just took that idea and stuck it into Return of the Jedi, which is fine. I don't hate it. You know, I grew up with it. I liked it as a kid. I don't think I would like it as much now. Like if I had if I had not seen that movie as a kid and have the nostalgia attached to it, I don't think I would like it as much. And that's just because I'm a I'm a curmudgeon and a you know a, an old man who just doesn't like change. But um, seriously though, I just it's a good movie, but it's not a great movie. And you know, there's other problems with Jedi, but I don't need to get into that because that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about uh, the prequels, Attack of the Clones. But I, I say all that to say that the writing was kind of on the wall for Lucas or for Star Wars in general, where you kind of see once Lucas it had complete control, once he was sole writer, sole director, anything he said goes, it just became a bit of a shit show, you know? And it's like, <laughs> it just, you can see it. It's just, the ideas are there where it's an interesting concept but I think he focused too much on Darth Vader. and Because originally Darth Vader was just like a henchman. He wasn't really a focus in the original Star Wars. And it wasn't until people reacted to Vader the way they did that he really took, pushed Vader and Empire to be something bigger. And that's when they decided to make him Luke's father. And you know it went from there. And all of a sudden, Star Wars became the story and the redemption of Darth Vader where it originally wasn't supposed to be that, but that's what it became uh, because of the way fans reacted to Darth Vader. And then Lucas wanted to like cash in on that. So Vader became a very integral part of the star Wars story until all of a sudden, you know, with the prequels, it's just, it's all it's about is the, the, the life and the redemption of, the life, the fall, the redemption of Anakin Skywalker slash Darth Vader, you know, and, and it's like, it's hard to say because on the one hand, yeah, it's like, you want to know how Darth Vader became Darth Vader, but it doesn't, it, it, it was more or less, that was kind of like the focus of the prequels. I mean, it was partly, you know, how does it, how do the Jedi, it was the clone wars too. How did the Jedi fall? How does the emperor come into power? How does Darth Vader become Darth Vader? Those are like the three things that are kind of going on. And then obviously, you know, within that is the whole, you know, Luke and Leia being his kids and how that all came about. And, you know, Luke and Leia's mother and all that stuff. But it's like, you know, that's just kind of part and parcel for what you're talking about, which is the whole Anakin Skywalker storyline. But I feel like I wish he would have spent more time focused on... Um, like Obi-Wan Kenobi, you know, in his character development in his relationship with Anakin and spent more time kind of developing that because the, you know, in the first film, Obi-Wan Kenobi is hardly in it at all. Like he's, it's focused on Qui-Gon and, you know, supposedly, well, I don't think supposedly, I think it's fact that in the original, I don't know if it's the treatment or the actual script, but in in, in the I think it's the original script of the Phantom Menace, Obi Wan Kenobi actually was the role of Qui Gon Jinn. Qui Gon Jinn didn't even exist; it was just Obi Wan Kenobi by himself. And then later on, for whatever reason, Lucas changed that, added Qui Gon Jinn, and then put Obi Wan as 
you know, his, his apprentice, basically his Padawan. And so it kind of changed the dynamic of what Lucas was going for. Cause originally it was, you know, Obi-Wan finds Anakin, Obi-Wan, you know, they become close and everything. And I feel like that really changed the dynamic of it because you have this first movie where you're like, who the fuck is Qui-Gon Jinn? And it's like, I like the character of Qui-Gon Jinn. I like that character. I, I think Liam Neeson did an amazing job. But it's like, and I, and I have nothing wrong with him introducing new characters. I mean, that's you need that. But <laughs> if you're going to focus on Anakin Skywalker, part of that is Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, and, and it's just, I think the problem is Lucas didn't really stick to his original story in the sense of like in the original star Wars, you know, Obi-Wan tells Luke about his father and about Darth Vader. And then you could make the excuse that, Oh, well he lied about one thing. He could lie about another thing, but it just, it's it just, I mean, sure. We could call fucking pink blue if you want. Like, I mean, you can say anything, but the reality is, you know, Obi-Wan's talking about when I first knew him, your father was already a great pilot. Um, you know, in Return of the Jedi, he talks more about it. But in the original Star Wars, it's like, you know, your father was seduced by the dark side. Um, or I'm sorry, Darth Vader was seduced by the dark side, but, you know, he was killed by Darth Vader. My point being is that, you know, there was an established history there with Anakin and Obi-Wan. And then for it, in the first movie, for it to hardly exist until the, the very end, where he's like, oh, I promised Qui-Gon I would train the boy. And Yoda's like, okay, well, we don't agree, but we're going to let you do that anyway, which I thought was kind of weird regardless. But then you come into Attack of the Clones, and it's like you just skipped ahead, like, was it 10 years, I think, where he's like goes from a little boy to basically like a bratty 19-year-old or 18-year-old. And um, so you jumped over this huge part of their relationship where, you know, they're getting to know each other, they're, you know, going on adventures or whatever. Um which honestly should have happened in the first one. That should have been the introduction of their relationship and that you should have shown more of them, you know, bonding or whatever. But, and I think it was a mistake for Lucas to start the Phantom Menace with Anakin as just a small boy. And I know his reasoning was, Oh, well I want to show how this little cute kid could go turn into like the most evil man in the galaxy type thing. But it's like, you know what? You don't need to do that. You know, it's just like you don't need to hit people over the head with this concept about, you know, his full change from, you know, this good little boy to this evil dark person and then his redemption. It's just I feel like the Darth Vader thing, he got carried away with it and it kind of just it it took over what the prequels could have been. And, and it, it it it's like he had to it had to be the prequels had to be certain movies for his ideas to work. And I feel like if he had just not focused so much on Darth Vader specifically, at least not in the way he did, that the films could have been better. And it could have been more cohesive because when you have, it's weird because you have the Phantom Menace, it's almost like this standalone movie. And then you jump ahead 10 years and then you've got uh, Attack of the Clones and then Revenge of the Sith, I think is another, I want to say it's like a, a couple years of a jump, which is fine. I mean, I don't, I don't mind the jumping, but it's just... <laughs> It's like you're missing the best parts in a way because it's like 
you missed the Obi-Wan and Anakin connection and bonding and, and their relationship being established. Cause when it starts in attack of the clones, like they're talking about the things they've done, but you're just supposed to accept that they're great friends, but he's his mentor. And, you know, and then you start to establish these really corny moments where you realize Anakin is like not listening to Obi-Wan and he's aggressive and he's, you know, he's just, he's become, it's like, it's just weird because he goes from this little nice boy to all of a sudden you're, you're reintroduced to him and he's just, he's a fucking whiny kid with an attitude problem. And it's like, you, you kind of wanted to see, well, that doesn't explain what made him turn into Darth Vader. That just, you know, I mean, you're, you're like missing all these really cool opportunities. And that's one of my problems with attack of the clone. Well, the prequels in general, but attack of the clones is just, it's like you're just jumped ahead 10 years and it's like, boom, you're just supposed to accept it and it's the way it is. And here we're going to start the Clone Wars and, and you know, all this shit's going to go down. And, you know, whatever. I accept it for what it is, but I don't like it, you know, and, and a lot of people don't. But um, there are things I like about it. You know, I like the Obi-Wan stuff, honestly. Like, I like the, the cloning stuff where he goes to Kamino and I actually, I like the Django Fett stuff too. I like the concept that, that, uh, the clone, because I mean, you have, you've established there's a clone war. So when you're trying to think of like, well, what does that mean? A clone war? It's, you know, the war of clones. So it's like, where these clones come from? Why is there a clone war? And it, and I thought Lucas did a good job establishing that where, you know, his, his explanation for what the clone wars were. I, I, I liked it. I didn't have a problem with it. I, I was okay with the Django Fett part and even the Boba Fett thing. At first I was a little, like I rolled my eyes. I remember in the theater, I was like, Oh God, really? But I'm okay with it now. You know, I get it, but you know, it's just, it's that shoehorning everything in. It's that constant, like, we got to make all these connections to the original trilogy, and so we're just going to shoehorn all these cameos and these characters that are connected, and it's just, that shit gets old fast. And I think one of the worst things was Anakin building C-3PO. It was just like, really? Like, you had to do that? Like, you could, there's a million ways you could have introduced C-3PO into the, the original trilogy, or into the prequels. And that was probably one of the worst choices, but that's the way he did it, you know? And it, it just, it still baffles me. It was still boggles my mind why he would do that and why he would think that was a good idea, but he did. So it's done. It's canon and it sucks. And people can argue about it and say, Oh, it's not that big of a deal. And oh, it's kind of cool and blood brings it all together. And you know, then you talk about like these scenes, like, Oh, the scene in empire when, you know, C3PO is there and you know, maybe he doesn't remember who he is. It's like, shut up. Like, just shut the fuck up. I hate when people sit there who love prequels and try to defend them. And then they will sit there and, and make all these excuses or they'll just make up shit that basically explains why things that happened in the original trilogy don't line up with the prequels. And it's like, well, first of all, that's because the original trilogy was conceived, created, shot and executed before the prequels were even done. And then the second issue is George Lucas didn't do his homework. He didn't spend enough time going back and really watching those movies and getting into the minutia of, I think, the character 
interactions and just some of the story elements. And I think he really dropped the ball on that. And so you have a lot of inconsistencies between the prequels and the original trilogy. Whereas, you know, some people, I think myself included, I mean, it's almost like they're two separate universes of films in a weird way. It's like the prequels are almost like, ah, it's hard to say. I mean, I want to say something like the prequels are kind of like, a history of what happened, but told in a way that you know it's like a foggy memory. Like they're not everything is not exact. It's just kind of like a legend or a tale um, in the Star Wars universe. But obviously, that's not what actually it's supposed to actually be. What happened? But whatever. It just it doesn't fit. And that's what that was one of my biggest problems with the prequels was number one the fan service where you're just having all these characters, all these connections with the original trilogy, such as Yoda and Chewbacca. I mean, that was, that actually was probably the worst. I think that might've been worse than Anakin building C-3PO. It's like Yoda going to Kashyyyk to help the Wookiees and then him knowing Chewbacca and then Chewbacca being one of the Wookiees that shoots him off into space at the end. So he can go to Dagobah. Like, it's just, it's like, it's just, come on. Can, can we just not have every fucking character know every other character in this fucking prequel. Anyways, it just pisses me off. But back to Attack of the Clones. And this is getting long, but back to it. And there are other things I want to talk about. But for Attack of the Clones, I think it's the worst prequel. or It's the worst prequel movie because of the things I said, but also because it just, it has some of the worst dialogue of any of the, those three films. I mean, there's the sand comment about, you know, sand is, I don't like the sand. It's rough. It's coarse. It gets everywhere. Like that whole line is just awful. Um, and there's other pieces of dialogue. I can't think of off the top of my head, but I mean, there's just some really bad dialogue in that movie. And I know some of that movie, Lucas wanted to really pay homage to the old serials, the old 50 serials. And there are a lot of things in that, that reflect those kind of movies. But you know, and then you have the romance with Anakin and Padme, and it's just it's it. They have they have no chemistry. Like they have zero chemistry, and you're trying to believe that she's falling in love with this guy when it's just not there, and it just really kind of stalls out. And you're just like, oh god, when is this going to be over? And they just have these awkward moments, like they're rolling on the grass together, and you're just like, Bleh. <laughs> you know what I mean, it's just it's awful, and um. Yes, there are good parts of Attack of the Clones, but I feel like there's more crap than there is good in it. And, um, yeah, so it's my least favorite prequel movie. I think my, I think my favorite prequel movie is Revenge of the Sith, even though it has probably one of the worst scenes in all of Star Wars, which is when Darth Vader's like, no, like that whole scene. I even hate to say it saying the no part because it just brings it back but it's like such an awful like I literally laughed out loud in the theater at that scene it was it was just I I I was like wow this is where how this is what what Star Wars has become okay Lucas whatever I'm done and uh I was kind of over Star Wars for a while because of that I was just like you know what I really like the original trilogies but these prequels suck and I'm just like whatever Moving forward, I'm not a Star Wars fan, but everything that came before it, I'm okay with, except for the the the, uh, 
the uh, special editions, which were awful too. Anyway, so it kind of just all solidified and showed that, you know, when Lucas had creative control and he didn't have anybody, you know, giving influence to him, um, it just kind of all went to shit. And it really is reflected in the prequels, in my opinion, because, you know, he by that time, nobody's going to say no to George Lucas. Nobody's going to, like, give give it to him straight. You know, that oh, George, that's a terrible idea. Like, nobody's going to say that. Like, there's even, like, behind the scenes where Lucas is talking about uh, the Phantom Menace and the Gungans and stuff, or as he calls them, the Gungans, and uh, to Spielberg. And Spielberg, he's just like, oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. And Spielberg's like, yeah, it sounds great. And you're just like, God, would you guys just stop it already? Uh, I don't know. It's just, it's nobody's going to tell George anything sucks. And he's writing it. He's directing it. And... It shows, you know, and it really shows. And then people are always like bitching now. They're like, oh, George Lucas needs to take Star Wars back. And Disney sucks and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, dude, <laughs> let me tell you, it's like George Lucas, him selling Star Wars was probably the best thing that could have happened to Star Wars. Um, well, that's not entirely true. I think Dave Filoni is one of the best things that happened to Star Wars after the prequels, which actually leads me into my next thing. But if you're not sure who Dave Filoni is, he uh, he's basically responsible for the animated portion of the, of Lucasfilm and Star Wars specifically, where um, he was one of the head guys for the Clone Wars, which if you haven't seen, I highly recommend. I, it's actually really good. I mean, people think like, oh, Clone Wars cartoon, that's stupid, it's for kids. But it's not really. There's actually a lot of heavy stuff going on in, in that series, you know, and you have the Jendi Tartofsky stuff, which is the first two seasons, which, you know, it's the Samurai Jack animation style. Um, I didn't really get into that. And I, you know, I was, it was cool. I like, you know, Jendi Tartofsky. I like his artwork and, and his style and everything, but I wasn't sure that it fit for star Wars. And I know Lucas wanted him to do it. And, you know, he did two seasons and then it was, they switched it to a more CGI animation style and, you know, the characters look better and, and it just, it was more of a mainstream vibe, but it, it actually worked better. So if you start watching the Clone Wars from there, like when they changed it over to the anim different animation style, it's really good. And I'm not saying the Tartoski stuff wasn't good, but it's, it's just, it doesn't have the same impact. I didn't think it was more artistic, which is cool. And I'm glad it exists, but when it comes down to storytelling, I really felt that the the Dave Filoni stuff was really when it hit its stride and when it really, like, it's what the clone, it's what Attack of the Clones should have been in a way. I mean, you couldn't because it's too long, but you really get into the dynamics and you have, like, Darth Maul comes back and he's still alive and he has a great arc and um, you just get more into the Anakin and Kenobi kenobi relationship which is what you wanted so people could argue well you get it there so why do you need it in a movie and it's like well the clone wars cartoon didn't exist you know at the time of the prequels so it's like this came out years later you know um and yeah it's cool because it's what was needed to really make sense so it's like people i, I feel like some people take the clone wars cartoon and kind of lump it in with the prequels and say, no, it's all, it's all good. Like, you know, the prequels were great. The clone wars. And it's like, yeah, but the clone wars came out years later and 
it's like a it's like its own thing. The Clone Wars are good. The prequels are not. I'm sorry. You know, I know the Clone Wars came from the prequels, but it doesn't make the prequels good by association. It just doesn't. So, Clone Wars good, prequels bad. But yeah, I, I highly recommend watching the. It's, I think it's on Netflix right now, but you better get it before they take it off and put everything on the the Disney Channel, um, which is what their plan is. But it's on Netflix. Uh, I highly recommend watching it. It's long. It's like, I think it's like nine seasons, but you know, just binge it. I think there, I mean, there's some slow episodes, but overall it's pretty good. So anyways, Dave Filoni, who basically spearheaded the clone wars. He also spearheaded rebels, star Wars rebels, which a lot of people didn't like. And they were bitching that, Oh, it's for kids and blah, blah, blah. But I thought rebels was really good. I enjoyed it. You know, it was for kids, but uh, there was some good stuff in there, and I I recommend watching Rebels. I think they had, f- I want to say four seasons. It's possible five, but probably four sounds better. Um, and I just I'm not gonna go look, but I think it's four seasons. Um, and it was a good show, and it it takes place like five years before A New Hope. So you know, there's there's connections there that are more valid that make more sense. You know. Towards the end, they brought in Saw Gerrera and, you know, you saw, like, Death Troopers and stuff to really tie it to Rogue One and all that. And it's a good series. I recommend watching Clone Wars and that. And then, like I said, it all comes back around because what I wanted to talk about was the new Star Wars cartoon, which was Star Wars Resistance, which is basically created by Dave Filoni. And he's always done the animation stuff in the Star Wars universe, and he's making another one. So Star Wars Resistance is the new cartoon series and, you know, it's basically going with an anime style. They're kind of taking like a Robotech vibe. If you don't know what Robotech is, just Google it and watch some videos and you'll see the, you know, kind of the comparisons. Um, Robotech was good. It was a good show. It was in, on in, I think it was, was it the mid 80s? I think it was the mid 80s and it was good. I mean, it's about giant transforming robots and these pilots that basically fight an alien army and... Uh, the Zentradi, but anyways, Robotech is, is a really good show and um getting a little distracted here, but I, I know they're trying to make a movie of it, which I actually want to see. But aside from that, uh, so Star Wars Resistance kind of has a similar vibe to Robotech in the animation style, and, and I feel like even kind of the storyline, just from what I've seen, but I haven't seen much. I just saw the trailer, and I think there was like a featurette that I watched um, but you know, the resistance cartoon, well, we'll just go over who's in it. Cause I have that written down. Uh, the main actor, his name is Christopher Sean. His character's name is Kazuda Ziono X I O N O. They just call him Kaz, but, uh, he, he's was in a lot of soap operas. He was in the Hawaii five O series that the reboot that they did, I think a couple years ago. And that's really all he has done. So he's not really like a well-known actor as far as, you know, like some of the other people here, like Bobby Moynihan plays Orca. Um, and he's from Saturday Night Live. He was there for many, many years. You, as soon as you see him, you know, know who he is. Bobby Moynihan. He's kind of the bigger guy with the glasses. A funny guy. Um, then you got Josh Brent who plays Niku and, uh, Josh Brent is, he was on Silicon Valley. He was on Marin. He was on Big Bang Theory. So, I mean, he's, when you see him too, you're like, oh, he's that guy. It's, it's, and he's he's funny. I like him. Uh, and then Donald Faison 
who was from uh, Scrubs, and he was actually clueless. Uh, that's like his other big claim to fame. Um, anyways, his name is Hype Phazon. I don't know, not a far stretch there for the name, but uh, then you've got James Rash as Flix. Uh, James Rash was in Community. I, I never saw Community, so I, I probably should because a lot of people are not a lot of people like Community, and a lot of people from Community are doing other things that I like. So I should probably watch it just because I'm sure I'd probably like it. Um, anyway, Scott Lawrence as Jarek Yeager. And uh, he was actually Scott Lawrence. If you don't know who he is, he's a really tall uh, black man, older black man, who has done a lot of stuff. Like he's kind of like a character actor you see in the background in a lot of movies where has like one line or one, you know, small role. He was an avatar, um, if you know that movie at all. When, um, God, I forget the character's name. When the main guy in the wheelchair, when he's coming down to the planet for the first time, there's like a kind of the guy who's, you know, given the speech about, you know, let's, you know, we're all going to go down there and you're going to get off this thing and blah, whatever. But anyways, that's the guy is like the, the, not the commander, but he's like the squad leader or whatever you want to call him. But he's that guy. And, uh, he also did some Darth Vader voices, uh, for a lot of the video games too, which I didn't know that. And I found that out and I was like, Oh, that's kind of a cool connection. So I guess in starting in the mid nineties, he was the voice of Vader in all the star Wars video games, uh, until, uh, I think it was, I don't even remember now. I think it was like 2006, they said or something that I read, but his final game that he did was empire at war. And then, uh, somebody else took over for the voice of Vader and in, in video games and whatnot. Um, Leia is going to be on the show. Princess Leia. She's going to be voiced by Rachel Butera, who's a voiceover actress. I IMDb her. Um, she did a lot of stuff. Go check her out. It's B U T E R A. And, uh, she's done a lot of stuff. So, I mean, it's mostly voiceover stuff. It's like, you'll recognize her voice probably, but not her face, but she's doing Leia. She's obviously doing an older Leia. Cause it's Leia. This is, I forgot to say this, but this actually takes place before the force awakens. So this is like, I don't, I'm not sure maybe a year or two, maybe a couple more years. I don't know, but it's before force awakens. So it's far after return of the Jedi. And so is older, obviously. So this woman plays her and, uh, yeah, Oscar Isaac and Gwendolyn Christie, who are Poe Dameron and Captain Phasma respectively, uh, from the new sequel trilogy, they're reprising their roles and they're going to be doing the voice for those characters. Those characters are probably not going to be in it that much. Usually when they do stuff like that, it's like, Oh, here you're in like three episodes, the first one, a middle one, and then the finale or something like that. Anyways. Um, but it's interesting that they're using captain phasma because that character was so wasted in the sequel trilogy. And it was, she was so built up like, Oh, it's going to be this great thing. And she, you know, she doesn't need to have armor that's reflective of her sex because the way she walks and her, her energy and blah, blah, blah. And they just talked her up to no end. And it's like, it was this cool silver armor and everybody's like, Oh, that's cool. And then she's hardly in the fucking movie. And she has like three lines and it's just, and then she gets fucking, she like betrays the first order and then she supposedly dies, but then she comes back and I mean, whatever you all know, but it's just, I, I, I hate that character. 
But I mean, it's interesting that they're going to use her and give her probably the screen time she should have gotten in like the force awakens and the last Jedi. But anyway, so she's going to be in it. Poe Dameron's going to be in it. Um, I don't know. It's, it looks like it's, and they actually say it's for young kids. Um, but I feel like rebels was too, but this really does feel like it's more for little kids. Like I'm not that interested in it. Like I watched the trailer and it's, it just, I don't know. It didn't feel that star Warsy to me. Like it just, but I think that's more of just the animation style than the whole, uh, you know, the whole anime thing. And, which is fine. I have no problem with that. I don't have to like everything Star Wars. And that, you know, even with the, the, the prequels, like, I don't, there's nothing wrong with not liking something in the Star Wars universe. And that's, that's the thing that I think some people get hung up on is like, you have to like everything. You have to like every character, every book, every movie, every, everything. And it's like, if you don't, that means you're a hater. It's like, no, dude, it doesn't. You know what I mean? I can not like a movie and still be a star wars fan so it's like back off but um i'm just not feeling this star wars resistance and that's okay because other people do and and you know i think kids will love it and uh, that's what it's that's what it's meant for you know i don't need to like everything but that doesn't mean it's bad um like you know some things are bad and i don't like them for that reason like the prequels but this i don't think this is bad i just don't to me it's not star it doesn't feel like star wars uh, for whatever reason, it's just my own personal vibe. But, you know, Star Wars is a lot of things now, and that's fine. You know, Star Wars should appeal to everybody, you know, and they can do whatever they want with it. So that being said, um, I wanted to talk about some of the Star Wars stuff coming up, um, some of the stuff that I do like. Well, one of the things I re- I'm really interested in is the John Favreau live-action series because that's coming up. I think they're filming it now. Maybe. I don't even know, but... Um, I see, I'm, I guess I'm not that up on it, but I know, you know, John Favreau's doing his live action series is 10 episodes. I think he, they said it was like a million dollars for 10 episodes. I think was, was what I read. Maybe I'm wrong. I think, yeah, I think it was like a hundred thousand per episode or something. Anyways, it was a big deal. And everybody was like, Oh, it's a lot of money. Rah. And I'm just like, okay, I don't care how much money he spends on it. I just want it to be good. But I'm actually looking forward to it. I like John Favreau. I think he's a good director. I think he he's gonna be good. I know he's you know he was actually in Star Wars Clone Wars. He played uh, the Mandalorian leader. Um, is it Fen Rao? I can't remember the name. Probably butchering that. I, I can't remember. But he was like this this badass Mandalorian kind of like rebel guy who um, he uh, he was the voice of him and. I just don't want to spoil anything. This is why, why I'm kind of stuttering, but, uh, he was in that. So he, you know, he obviously has a connection there and, you know, he's, I'm sure he's done a lot of post-production work and pre-production work at Lucasfilm, you know, working on the Marvel movies. But, um, I'm really interested in that, especially like a live action TV series for star Wars. And, you know, there's been rumors about it taking place connected with the Mandalorians and, you know, the planet Mandalore, uh, after Return of the Jedi and, you know, how they fit in and, you know, cause they also, that also connects with rebels cause rebels had the Mandalorians and, um, so there's like kind of an arc there that they could continue. And that would be actually pretty interesting cause you kind of get away from the whole Jedi thing and you focus more on, on this other sect of, 
you know, people in the Star Wars universe and the Mandalorians are kind of important, you know, in the Star Wars universe and lore and history. So I think that would actually be a cool place to go. But, you know, I don't know. That's just a rumor. I don't know if that's what's going on. But I would I would like that. I would like to see that happen. But I'm cool with whatever he does as long as it's good. Um, I'm definitely not looking forward to the Ryan Johnson trilogy. Um, I think I've said it before and I'll say it again. The last Jedi is probably worse than the prequels in my mind. It's just, I just don't like it. I don't like hardly, I mean, there's like few scenes that are kind of cool visually, um, or some cool lines and stuff, but I mean, it's not enough to save it. It's just, it's a bad movie. It's just some horrible choices were made and I don't want to get into it because I've said enough on it. And so have so many other people more eloquently than I could, but, um, yeah, I just don't care about Ryan Johnson doing any more star Wars after that. I mean, Hey, if he comes out and, and it's just amazing, you know, and, and the last Jedi was like a one-off of like, Oh, you know, he screwed it up, but he, you know, he made up for it. These others are great. Sure. Whatever. But I'm just based on the last Jedi. I'm not looking forward to it. You know, I just, blah. but will I see it when they come out? I don't know. It depends. It depends on the trailers. It depends on a lot of things. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say, Oh, I'm never going to watch it. But I mean, I don't know. It really depends. <laughs> Maybe if I if I don't like the trailers, I'll wait until it's on demand or something, and I'll just watch it late one night, like 10 years out later, and be like, oh, it wasn't too bad. Whatever. But um, <laughs> it's one of the things I'm not looking forward to. And then the guys from Game of Thrones are doing Star Wars too, which I, is going to be very interesting. Um, I don't know what the hell they're going to do, but it's probably going to be very adult and very dark, which I think is very cool because I think the Star Wars kind of needs that in a way because it's – something a little different. Um, and they can, I feel like they can get into some heavy stuff that they haven't in the past, uh, just cause everything's really geared towards kids. So it'd be cool to have like an adult star Wars, um, with like sex and murder and all kinds of crazy shit. So speaking of new star Wars, you know, episode nine, they've had some leaked photos. Uh, people have been going ape shit over this stuff. And as they often do, like, you know, everybody's got a theory about what this means or what that means. I'm just like, whatever. I just don't even care. You know, after Last Jedi, honestly, I could care less about Episode Nine. But, you know, I pay attention because it's on my feed. You know, I, I follow people on Twitter and on Facebook and people talk about it. And I, I see it and I'm like, well, fuck, now I got to go look at this picture because I want to see it. But it's nothing big. It's just like there's a couple photos they showed of like Poe Dameron and Finn and I think Ray like standing on a hill. It's like a grassy hill and then on there was like these horses covered in like fur and people were saying oh maybe they're maybe they're on Lothal which is uh from Star Wars Rebels and they're these giant wolves that were there and people are making the claim that oh maybe they're loth loth wolves and I'm just like no see this it's like the same way with like the last Jedi is people had all these theories and they were going to connect it and they think it's going to get all deep and dark to all this other content. And it never does. It's always just like really, it just never goes that deep. And so when people start saying that shit, I'm just like, you know, you're just, you're shooting for the wind. You know what I mean? It's not whatever that means, but it's just, it's not going to happen. Um, anyways. And then the other big news is Greg Grunberg is returning as snap wet Wexley, you know, his character, 
and uh, he was on a mission when you know episode or episode eight happened, and now he's back. And you're just like, I just I don't care. I didn't care about that character in the Force Awakens, and I don't care about that character now. You know, and I I partially read one of the aftermath novels where he's introduced as like a young kid, and uh, I just I didn't. I liked him better in those novels as a young kid, but I just feel like the character is, there's no connection. Like I just don't feel any connection between that kid and Greg Grunberg depicting that character. None at all. It's like they don't, they're not even the same character. So it's, it's just, I don't, it's pointless, but uh, everybody's all like, Oh, he's coming back. And then all these stars that they're saying are going to be in the movie. And I'm just like, yeah, they're probably going to be a stormtrooper, And then they're going to cut the scene, blah, blah, blah. It's like, I just don't care. Um, I'm just tired of it. I'm tired of the, the hype of star Wars and, and everybody talking about it in the sense of like, Oh, we have all these theories and all this is going to happen. And Oh, it's so exciting. And it's like, no, it's really not. It's not that big of a deal. Like just calm the fuck down. Can we just, Let's talk about something else until the movie actually, like until we have a trailer or something, you know. And I know some people enjoy that stuff and they get off on it and they're like, oh, we got to, you know, keep the hype alive. And I'm just like, it's not me. The only reason I'm talking about it is because it's news and, you know, I'm trying to be topical. But uh, I really don't fucking care. But let's move on, shall we? Uh, The next topic I want to talk about was actually uh, a new collectible from Hasbro, which... I don't know if you collect the Black Series 6-inch. I do. Um, I They're some of my favorite action figures of, you know, modern Star Wars collectibles. And they just keep getting better and better, in my opinion, as far as, like, the face sculpts and, you know, the detail and, and the weapons and, and even the characters that they're choosing to do. Um, recently, they put out the Han Solo... Uh, what is it? Ex- Exogorth Escape, where you know it's like when the Millennium Falcon's inside the the space slug. Basically, they call it an Exogorth, uh, which they never called it that in the movie. But now it ha- everything has to have a name, so they call it Exogorth Escape. And then it's got you know Han Solo, where he's got the the breathing mask, and there's a Minoc included, and it was like a San Diego Comic Con exclusive, and um, I bought one because it's Han Solo you know, from Empire Strikes Back. It's like my favorite movie, one of my favorite characters. So I, I had to have that one. So I got that one. And, uh, but they're, what they're doing is a two pack, which is going to be the first, uh, I think it's the first European exclusive. The black series has done where it's basically Han and Leia from it. It comes in a box similar to the Han Solo Exo Gorth escape thing where it's, them standing in the hallway arguing where she's dressed in her Hoth white outfit and he's in his jacket, but they made the jacket brown. Um, And if you don't know the controversy about Han Solo's jacket, I'll just give you the short version. Basically, basically the the jacket is brown and that's, that's the wardrobe department gave him a brown jacket, but because of the way Empire Strikes Back was colorized, when they went into post-production, uh, everything at Hoth had kind of this blue tint to it uh, because of the snow. So Han Solo's brown jacket is uh, morphed into a blue bluish color. So everybody, and it didn't help because Kenner actually made the action figure with the blue jacket. And so everybody just assumed it was blue until... Years later, you know, it started coming out that, oh, my God, is his jacket, is it brown or is it blue? It's like that fucking dress controversy that, that came out or some shit. I don't know. It's just dumb, but 
it's a brown jacket. There's photos to confirm it's a brown jacket. It always was brown, but we saw it as blue, not only because of Kenner, but because of the color correction of Empire Strikes Back. So anyways, um, but they're doing it with a brown jacket, which is cool. And it's going to have kind of like the fluffy uh, head hood hoodie stuff around the hood or whatever, which is cool. Um, it's just a nice touch. And it's going to be exclusive in Europe. And it's the only place you can get it at first. I'm sure they're going to release it at Hasbro Toy Shop online and obviously be able to buy it on eBay and shit. And it'll probably be overpriced. But I really got to get one. I think it's going to be a great addition to my collection, as uh, General Grievous would say. And, um, yeah, so that's coming out. And I think what they're going to do is the exclusive is probably going to have the brown jacket. Then they're going to release a regular version with the blue jacket. That's probably what they're going to do. I, maybe not. I don't know. seems like something they would do because then you want to get both of them. Fucking Hasbro. Anyways, so that's what's going on in the, the toy collecting world. I mean, there's a lot of new stuff coming out. There's new um, vintage collection figures that are coming out, which is funny because they're not. It's not part of the vintage collection because they're they're new figures. It's like Rogue One and Solo and all this shit. And you're just like, that's not really the vintage collection, you know? But it is because it's packaged like vintage action figures. Whatever, I get it. We all get it, but it's technically not correct. But whatever, I'm just being nitpicky. Um, that's about it, though. I mean, that is everything I wanted to cover in this episode. Um I'm not even sure how long we are, we are at right now. I feel like it's been over an hour that I've been rambling, but um, I feel good. I feel I feel solid about this second episode. I'm I'm excited to do episode three, uh, Revenge of the Podcast, and um, yeah, uh, we're gonna keep it going. I I you know if anybody's listening, I hope you're enjoying yourselves. I don't know if anybody is. Um, if you are, feel free to comment. Feel free to spread the word. Um, all the Star Wars dot com, everything is right there. It's all anybody needs to find out about me, the podcast, Facebook, Twitter, all that shit. So all the Star Wars dot com is the place to key it up. Um, I did want to say that we got accepted by iTunes, so you're pro- you may be listening to this via iTunes, which I think is pretty cool. I mean, I know it's not a big deal, like probably hundreds of podcasts get accepted there, but it's just cool. You know, it's my little dorky podcast I'm doing and you can subscribe on iTunes. That's, that's cool to me. So I don't know, wherever you're listening to this, thanks for listening. And, uh, until next time, may the force be with you. Take care my friends and may the force be with you.